You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday, January the 3rd. What a difference a day makes. It's absolutely tanking down here in TW11 this morning. Worth bearing in mind, particularly as I'm not too far away from Sandown Park, which stages the feature meeting in the UK this weekend. Lots to get through from around the world today. I will be speaking to a man who's been crowned champion jockey in France for the second time, the British-born James Reevely. Staying in France, I'll be speaking to Mathieu Alex, the stud supremo who has just taken the reins at Kamel and Pauline Shaboub's brand new breeding operation in Normandy. That looks very exciting for French racing and breeding. They'll be standing Sealyway and Intello. Oliver Sherwood outlines plans for the current Cheltenham bumper second favourite Queen's Gamble, which could involve a run not too far off. I'll be talking to Sandy Thompson, Scottish-based trainer, who has got Dingo Dollar running in one of the big races at Sandown this weekend. There is no trainer in better form statistically at present. And I'll also be catching up with breeder Liz Lucas, fresh from the victory of Midnight River at Cheltenham last weekend, in case you thought Harry Skelton's celebrations were the most um, exuberant that you, you would see that day. Think again. First of all, though, a man who's got plenty to celebrate at the moment, Nicky Henderson, who's got three hot favourites for the first day of the Cheltenham Festival already after the exploits of John Bond, Constitution Hill and Marie's Rock in the last three weeks. I put in a call to the Master of Seven Barriers for his half-term report. I began by asking him whether any of those three would run between now and the festival. Yes, John Bond would go to the Kingmaker at Warwick, um, which... It's the only race he can run in, really. Um, it's not as if he's got a choice, but I think Warwick's good. He's been around there once, and, and it's, a, it's a good jumping test, and I think that would do him good. So that's the plan for him. He's just going quietly at the moment, and we'll start to prepare him for that. Uh, um, I would have thought with Constitution Hill, we've undenied a fair bit. I did have what I thought was quite a bright idea. But it hasn't quite come off. I can understand why, uh, in that I did sort of inquire whether we might have the um, the, the, the international hurdle was abandoned and whether it might have been able to reschedule on trials day at Cheltenham. Now, if that had been possible, I would have gone there with it. But I really don't like the idea of Haydock. Um, and so I think almost certainly Constitution Hill will not run again before Cheltenham. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously very good fresh. He was very good the first time this year. In the, he couldn't be better than he was in the fighting pit first time out. Last year, he went from the Tolworth to Cheltenham, and you couldn't have him better. So I really don't see any point. There's nothing to be gained. I know we'd like to get him out, and if we could have done that, I would have been Cheltenham. But I think the answer is no, and we won't go to Ireland. Um, so I think you could take it that he won't run again before Cheltenham. So, so if some if some really bright spark came up with some, you know, one of the things they sometimes do in America, where they put a ton of money on the table and said, 
we'll 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 build a we'll build a race for you on trials day you might have been tempted well i mean that's what i was trying to do and i understand <laughs> cheltenham's predicament in that uh, you know they they've, they've got the, 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 the uh, i do and i don't i thought it was rather a good idea and i think they quite like i said you put the race on and i'll bring you constitution hill and everybody's you know banging drums saying we want to see more of him there's no way to gain policy for him, unfortunately are you are you half serious about that that you would do something to, to let the public maybe watch him do a gallop or something at Seven Barrows yeah. yes yes yeah, I would I would have thought that was a possibility yeah I was just going to say have you, have you given any thought to how many of your own you might run against him if any Yeah, um, I mean, I'd have to talk to, you know, we haven't discussed it with Epitant yet. Um, we will see what she does. Um, First Street is a difficult one. I mean, where does he go? He's on the verge of it, but he didn't stay two and a half in that ground on, on the weekend. So, um, you know, we'll just have to... You'd enter him anyway. I mean, it wouldn't be... If you looked at the race now, you wouldn't be beyond the bounds of possibility that he could squeak a place, would it? Not at all. Not at all. He's a very decent horse indeed. Um, yeah, it, it, again, it's one of those things where you, so you look at it. You, if you wanted to, you could almost, you could almost try and get the first four home. <laughs> well, wishful thinking, Nick. I like it. <laughs> um, anyway, um, Marie's Rock, it sounds as though you want to crack on and have a, a, a defend her mayor's title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole plan. Interestingly, you know, I mean, it really was the very beginning of the season. Um, you know, uh, Tim, uh, Tom Palin was, um, you know, we were planning things and I said, I have no idea where I could go, where to start Marie's Rock Off. And, and to be very honest with you, early on in the year, she wasn't actually working terribly well, but I was still looking for a race, looking for a race. Tom came back to me and said, well, I promise you, I cannot find a race for her before the rail keel. I said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're just going to put her away. I'm going to back off her for a month and we'll bring her back. And luckily, it, I just left her alone for a month, started again, and she came back and, and her work was great and everything. She came into the race really well. And I thought she was impressive, yes. Mm. She's great. She's as tough as teak. And But again, what, why, what would you do and where would you go between now and then? It's, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot to... There's not a lot to do. And what I would really like to do with her would be to go to Cheltenham. I'd love her to defend her title. And then I'd really seriously think about going to Aintree and trying her over three. Mm. Over three miles? Well, I would for two reasons. One, we've always talked about it. And two, if everything really did go swimmingly well, you'd find Constitution Hill coming into the two and a half at Aintree. Right. Ah, right. Got you. So, therefore, the obvious reason... But we've always talked about Marie's Rock. Would she stay three? Are we tempted to put her in the stairs? The answer is probably no. Um, we would leave her alone, uh, stick to the mares, um, and then... Not necessarily just because of Cottage but because we've genuinely always discussed whether she'd stay three. You know, she's got up that hill at Cheltenham last year like a, a rabbit. She is a little bit like a rabbit in that she, she scampers away. She's not the biggest, 
but she's all heart, loves soft ground. You could do anything with her. Oh, 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 what's the plan with Shishkin? You said you had a plan. Well, the plan at the moment is to go to um, to go to Kempton on Saturday week for the Sylvianka Conti over two and a half miles. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just doing the entries for the sort of Cheltenham this morning and it's really a matter of question what we put him in. But I'm certainly putting him in the Ryanair and I'm not sure I see any point in putting him in the Champion Chase. I think I'm more likely to put him in the Gold Cup. Well, you may as well. Yeah. Okay. That's what Weezy's thinking at this very moment. We've got two hours to go. Okay, well, go on, put him in the Gold Cup, Nicky. You know you want to. Okay, I knew you'd subsidise him. Okay. Well, no, I'm not doing that, but it's a it's a good idea. What, what about the youngsters then? What what of the what of the young novice hurdlers are you excited about? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that Lucia will go to um, to to Sandown for the uh, Tolworth on Saturday. We're just scoping her as we speak, just to make sure she's all right. Um, I think she's you know she's possibly um, one of the best of them, really. Um, but she's there for the, you know, she, she, she'd be going for the mares most likely, but she's looking very strong at the moment on what she's done. And we just see that she's all right. Um, let's say just checking her out this morning, making sure I'll, I'll leave you be. Thanks so much. Okay. Nick, all the best. Well, that was Nikki Henderson. This is broadcaster Cornelius Lysett joining me now for the first time in 2023. I don't think there's any massive surprises there, Cornelius, but I think at least confirmation that Constitution Hill will go straight to the Cheltenham Festival now. Yeah, Happy New Year uh, and Happy New Year to all. And I think a lot of people banking on Constitution Hill being a, a massive part of a Happy New Year. Now, this is this is no huge surprise, is it, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, Henderson watchers we're watching on on Boxing Day uh, and, uh, you know, as well as the massive smile and the delight about the success of Constitution Hill, he immediately pointed out that the Sandown race that the horse might have gone to uh, is no longer there. And I don't think realistically we ever thought that uh, he would probably uh, go to Ireland for the for the champion hurdle at the Dublin Racing Festival to try and unseat Honeysuckle, which has won the last three and to have a a go at uh, State Man at that point. So it's not a massive surprise. We also know how Henderson does things. Uh, and he's won eight champion hurdles. He's a master at dealing with this type of uh, quality hurdler. Uh, so I, I, th- I think the general vibe was mm-hmm. it was probably going to be straight to Cheltenham. I, I think the, the, the question mark was, was whether somehow something would change and um, there, there might be an appearance en route. And the more interesting talking point there, Cornelius, was the fact that he had engineered, actively tried to engineer an appearance for Constitution Hill at Cheltenham on trials day with a rescheduled running of the jettisoned international hurdle. Now, it's an interesting conflict, this. On the one hand, you want to preserve the pattern. We are talking about trying to make these graded races more competitive, not having too many of them, not giving top-class horses too many opportunities. There's one at Haydock, there's one at Wincanton. He doesn't want to run him there, but he would run him at Cheltenham. Balance that against what an appearance of Constitution Hill would do for the profile of horse racing and the gate on that day at Cheltenham at the end of January. And it's quite an interesting dilemma, isn't it, ideologically? Where do you stand on it? 
Well, uh, no, the, the, the fact is the sport has to be as flexible as it can be, but it can only be so flexible, can't it? Uh, uh, clearly, I, I, th I think the intriguing thing is the fact the Sandown race is gone and everybody knows that that race would have been used a, as a stepping stone. The, the, there was a race lost, an important race uh, lost at uh, Cheltenham before uh, before Christmas. So, you know, it's an interesting dilemma, but, the, you know, and I'm sure the Jockey Club as the custodian are not just of Cheltenham, but of national of, of racing as a whole, plus the British Horse Racing Authority will have considered that card. And hopefully they do just continue to look at it and say, well, look, we've got the juvenile hurdle. We've got the um, triumph hurdle trial. We've got that novice handicap chase. Uh, we've got the Cotswold chase on that particular day. We've got the Ballymore novices hurdle uh, stepping stone as well. So have we got that right? You know, clearly this year it would have been good, wouldn't it? But then there would be perhaps other years when it, it wouldn't have really worked. So I, I suppose we've slightly got to, to to lump it and run with it, haven't we? Yeah, Henderson, at the end of that interview, mentioning Lucia, who's the favourite for the Tolworth hurdle. We talked to Authorised Speed's owner, chief opponent, Pat Gallagher, yesterday. The other big race on Saturday is the veterans final. It was won memorably two years ago by the 13 year old. See you at midnight, a great favorite of trainer Sandy Thompson. And I don't care um, whether you've got three Ben Paulings and four Charlie Longstons. There's no trainer in statistically better form at the moment than Sandy. And uh, I asked him if he'd been doing anything different with his horses. Uh, not really. Just, just, you know, a lot, a lot of hard work and, and, um, the staff have been great and you know we, we, we've just not really changed anything but um, Ryan Clavin's obviously come in as, as, as my assistant and, and he just has you know a few ideas but, but really we, have, we haven't we haven't changed anything anything very much um, but you know you just get these spells and the horses are, are, are looking well and, and, and feeling well and running out their skins yeah yeah, another two winners at air yesterday with Storm Nelson and good old uh, Donna's double. Um, I'm really interested, however, in whether you're going to win another one of the Sandown Veterans Chase finals, which you you won a couple of years ago famously with See You at Midnight. You've got Dingo Dollar this time round, who's short in the betting, uh, 11 years old, but not that much mileage on the clock. Um, how do you think he's doing? Yeah, listen, we're really, really happy with him. We've sort of been mulling over what we're doing. Obviously, he's he's going to carry a lot of weight, which is is you know a concern. Obviously, we would have liked it not to rain too much. But I spoke to Andrew Cooper yesterday, and, and he feels it will be soft by Saturday. Um, so yeah, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll go and have and have a go. Uh, he probably wants to be running in veterans races and. Um, rather than sort of going to Warwick the next week for the for the, for the classic, yeah. And and in, this must be a, a race that you've got an incredibly fond memory of. I mean, see you at midnight when he won two years ago. I brought the house down. Yeah, I mean that will be you know one of one of the very special days, um, you know for, for for so many reasons. But uh, yeah, that that one um, will one that will never be never be forgotten because you know to be told that there was no chance we would get him we would get him onto a race course again, um, and then and then he went and did that. Uh, yeah, it was it was uh, yeah just 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 you know stuff of dreams. Yeah. And for all that you're in very good form, your jockey Ryan Mannion might even be outstripping you nine from twenty-four in the last in the last couple of weeks. I think he's won on all eight of his last completed starts, something like that. This is one of the great comebacks, isn't it? It is. It is, and and I think you know he now actually appreciates um, the talent that he has. I think I think I think he's always had this talent. 
Um, and I don't think he quite appreciated that, that, you know, it was just one of these things that was God-given and you've got to make the most of it. He just sort of thought that's how it was. Um, and he is. He, he, he is riding very, very well. You know, tactically, he's, he's very astute. Um, and, you know, if, if, if he didn't have the weight issues that he did, you know, he would, he would obviously, um, you know, be riding a lot more, but uh, he, he's got them pretty well under control so he knows he knows what he can do and yeah it's, it's just brilliant having having him as part of the team and and then, you know it is it, it, it's a huge team effort you know with, with, with the great staff back home um we're short of staff as anything but the ones we've got know what they're doing and uh yeah it just makes my life a lot easier and in terms of the, the most exciting young horse you've got who would that be at the moment well, Bass Rock is obviously hugely exciting. Um, it didn't quite go to, to plan at Weatherby, probably the ground. And, um, you know, perhaps if Ryan had, had, had rode the race again, you know, he might have pushed on a bit more. Um, I think I think he sort of got betwixt and between whether, you know, he was a two-mile horse and a two-and-a-half-mile horse. But I think that, that showed that, you know, he, he, he after Carlisle. Um, but, he, but he probably is a two-and-a-half-mile horse. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to him, um, whether he'll go down to Cheltenham on the at the end of January or not I'm, I'm, I'm not sure but uh, yeah we, we would like to like to do that and then and then just see where we really are with him but listen, we're so lucky that we we you know we don't, we don't we don't we don't pay a lot of money for any of the horses and uh, you know it was I was saying to somebody the other day you know we're so lucky that we have these nice horses you know the, the winners we've had you know they're not they're not just sort of not to hundreds um handicappers they're, they're, they're genuinely nice horses that can hopefully go on and, and and compete in some of the better races sandy thompson who's dingo dollar heads to the final of the veterans chase at sandown on saturday provided there's not too much rain and it's pretty grotty four miles away from Sandown at the moment. Uh, interesting story, um, the the comeback of Ryan Mania. We've talked about it plenty, Cornelius, but interesting that, that Sandy was saying there, the jockey now really believes that that he does have a God-given talent and that he needs to do something with it. Absolutely. And th- they have they have worked really well together. Ryan Mania has been one of one of the best stories really of of jump racing in recent years. Probably one of the uh, one that's been sung a bit, but not as much as it it might have been to to have won that Grand National on Aurora's Encore, having retired on more than one occasion as well. Uh, but uh, he's he's got his mind, com- it would seem, just chatting to him not so long ago at the races, he seemed, you know, he he, he had a real sort of authority, a real sense of, uh, of purpose about him, uh, which perhaps he hadn't had always in the past. Uh, and, um, yeah, they're, they're reaping rewards, the, the horses at the moment. Uh, the the Ryan Mania rides at the moment. If they get round since Christmas, if they get round, and there'll be one or two fallers, URs, PUs, as there are with jump jockeys. If they get round, though, they have been winning, and uh, it's been a great way to actually try and find some winners during the Christmas period, at uh, particularly on the on the northern circuits. And uh, and I, I find this whole form thing really interesting because, you know. It, Sandy knows that he's suddenly come into form. He couldn't have necessarily predicted that that was about to happen. Uh, and and at some point, he will go out of form again. Uh, and um, 
you know, th there are others at the moment. Henry Dale is a, a very good example. He was in smashing form leading up to the freeze and that form continued. Uh, there's a trainer, Laura Morgan. I just detect hers. When she, when she hits golden form, she sends, tends to do uh, really well. Ben Pauling, look at the way that everything has has gone for him in recent months. The, the relocation of his base uh, is probably a, a major factor in that. But equally, you, you know, suddenly these poor trainers find themselves on the cold list. That must just be the most depressing thing to look at at breakfast in the Racing Post. Nicky Richards, end of October, beginning of November, practically everything was winning. Uh, and now he's a little on the chilly side. So it's a really fascinating thing for everyone to study, uh, whether um, whether the trainer is going into form, out of form, uh, and indeed trying to work out when it's all going to start. Right. Well, there's nothing really, perhaps with the exception of Paul Nichols' runaway Exeter winner, knocked the eye out in terms of, of Cheltenham bumper contenders. Over, over the Christmas period. And, you know, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with Facile Mode, whether that one gets sold. Willie Mullins hasn't had an obvious one spring out. Queen's Gamble, in most lists, is currently nearly favourite or second favourite. We've not seen her since she won at the November meeting at Cheltenham. Her trainer, Oliver Sherwood, is with me now. Oliver, you, you took her out of the Huntingdon race because you weren't quite happy with the with the blood test. How's she doing now? Yeah, listen, I couldn't be happier with Nick. Nick. Uh, she's absolutely fine. I give her a quiet time over the holiday period. And just beginning to ramp up her work, and she's aiming all being well to go to market race. I think it's the twentieth or twenty first. Uh, it's a Friday at market race, and it's the um, uh, listed mare's bumper at market race, and which uh, uh, is the only race she could go for really. Uh, and the only proviso would be if it came up absolutely bottomless, I'd, I'd miss it and go straight into Cheltenham then. But um, hopefully, it'll be okay. Uh, and there's a, you've clearly got a feeling within you that you want to give her another run. You want to get her out again, hence, hence the, the entry of Huntington in the first place. Yes, uh, absolutely. It's just really for more experience and, and going to another track. I think it'll do her education good. Uh, um, Huntington was just a, if it had been a Cheltenham race and it trained out a runner because she was as fresh, fresh as paint but it just on the track wash the neutrophils were just marginally higher than what, what the vet and I would have liked so it better to play, to play safe you know but uh, no I'm, I couldn't be happy with her now Thank, luckily she's a filly who doesn't take a lot of work she barely has to look at a gallop and she's ready you know Oliver thanks so much best of luck cheers Nick all the best take care so the French Championships are decided at the end of the calendar year rather than across the, the break of the season. And that means that for the second time, British-born rider James Reevely has been crowned uh, French champion jockey. He picks up the prestigious Cravash d'Or, becomes a, a part of a very select group of jockeys to have done it more than once and joins me now. James, does that make it more special the, to, to, to do it again, to regain it? Well, it does actually. Um, after the... I won it in 2016 and, and I was adamant that I'd like to try and win it a second time just so people wouldn't call me a one-hit wonder and, um, and when I got it last year I was I was over the moon and and to keep up the, the good run of things uh, for a third time was brilliant really. And it wasn't all plain sailing last year either was it? Just just explain why. Well I started the year off um, with a broken arm um, so started off fairly slowly and then I ended up with a 15-day ban in the summer when I made a silly mistake around Pompadour, one of the tracks that I know better than most around uh, in France. Uh, I jumped the wrong hurdle at, at the end of the race. Um, but apart from that, it was a fairly smooth run afterwards. Um, I had a very good autumn campaign and, and the winners have just been flowing 
fairly uh, fairly fluently. And and this is a this is a, a job and a, and a lifestyle that that seems to have suited you so well since you you started riding in in France. Do you ever look over your shoulder and wonder what your life would have been like had you not done this? Yeah, obviously, um, I had to make a decision. Uh, it was in 2016, but um, no regrets. Um, I enjoy it out here. I enjoy the racing. Um, I've made a lot of contacts over here now and no regrets at all. But um, yeah, obviously, um, you do wonder what what might have happened if I stayed in England. But I think um, I was based in the north and, and things were... Um, just you know, I was I was enjoying riding and I was riding some nice horses up there but I think um, you know to have hit the big time in England I would have had to have gone to a big yard in the south and that and that didn't happen but what has happened to you has been amazing I, I want to ask you about Il est Francais the horse that you you won on for Tom and Noel George the other day uh, and you were you were giving rave reviews to according to the to the trainer how good a horse do you think he is and, and are we likely to see him in in England anytime soon well, he's already top class. He's proven that he's top class. He's beaten his generation very easily every in every run. Um, no, he, realistically, he's potentially um, you know a future star, future gold cup horse. But the the connections are wanting to take the time with him. That the option they had the option to come to Kempton for the Feltham or the Cotter Star, what it's called now. Uh, but they probably took a wise decision and um, kept him wrapped up for the winter and. Um, they're going to go just keep them over hurdles until the summer anyway and then possibly think about a chasing campaign in the autumn but uh, no he, he could be anything it, it, does he give you the feel of one of the best you've ridden oh definitely he's just he's just the perfect racehorse he's got size and scope lots of class a massive engine good temperament he's just everything you want in a racehorse and what are your personal ambitions for 2023 um, well, more of the same, really. Uh, it'd be hard to top last year's efforts. Um, no, I, I would just, as I say, every year I like to stay in one piece, try and try not to get any bans, um, and keep everybody happy and, and ride as many winners as possible. And obviously, uh, <laughs> another Grand Steeplechase to Parry would be nice. Uh, but there are, there are a few big races over here that I haven't won, uh, such as the Pre de la line, the Autumn. And a couple of the four-year-old uh, chases and hurdles as well. So I know there's things that I uh, haven't done that I would like to do, and um, maybe not this year. But <clears throat> before I um, before I retire, I would I would obviously like to try and get a festival winner. That'd be nice. James Reebley crowned uh, French champion jockey, winning the Cravache d'Or for the second time. You heard what it meant to him, and you also heard his thoughts there on Ile Francais, who looks a very exciting prospect for both sides of the channel. Moving forward, Cornelius, James Reedley, that's a, an amazing success story. There are many jockeys around the world who have started their careers in Britain but have really flourished abroad, whether they be in America, Australia, in France, in this case. It's a, it, 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 it's, it's something quite extraordinary what he's accomplished. Yeah, it, it seemed bold at the time, didn't it? Uh, they had dripping in racing heritage based on the Northern Circuit, James Reedley, his grandmother, Mary Reedley, having been one of the, the great characters uh, when she was training uh, died in 2017, sadly. Fun of Mary had been, she trained thir- more than 1,300 national hunt winners and more than 600 flat winners. Some lovely names, Cab on Target, Melotti winning the Cambridgeshire, just uh, a couple uh, of those. So hugely successful from a base near Saltburn on Sea uh, in the northeast of England. Uh, James, very much getting going with the support of his family, Keith, his father, Mary's son, 
uh, a trainer as well. Uh, and um, he, he went off to France. And I, I, I think people thought, well, good luck to him. I hope it works out OK. Um, you know, it, 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 it may do, but it may not do. But actually, ultimately, there he is, one of one of France's major sports people, champion jockey again, and also sort of leading uh, a charge. Well, charge is probably slightly too strong a word, but a, a definite move of, of others to, to consider all that. Felix de Giles really flourishing in France. Charlotte Richard, uh, whose uh, brother won the Welsh Grand National uh, the other day, brother David, uh, flourishing over there. Uh, Tom George and his son, Noel really flourishing. And, and, and there are plenty of others as well. Uh, I won't try and uh, list all of them because I'll miss miss others out. But a really interesting British dynamic uh, in France, really flourishing. And um, it, well, how how good would it be as a story if Il est Francais, uh, written by James Reevely, they if they got going and came back to Cheltenham one day, uh, perhaps even for the, for the Gold Cup, that would be a massive uh, cross-channel story. Well, if you thought if you thought Harry Skelton was celebrating wildly on Midnight River on on uh, Sunday afternoon, it, it'll be nothing compared to what I, what I'm sure Liz Lucas was doing uh, at her base, having bred Midnight River and being one of the most enthusiastic and successful owner breeders in uh, in the UK. She did sell Midnight River as a store many years ago, but Liz, knowing you, that won't have dampened your enthusiasm for the victory. Far from it. You've still got the mare, and uh, and she's still going strong. Tell me a little bit about how uh, how you enjoyed the last few hundred yards of the race. Oh, it was just fantastic, Nick. We were just... She's running to the last, and we were just screaming at the telly. I'm surprised they couldn't hear it. It was Cheltenham, to be honest. Uh, it was just thrilling. It's what we're all in for, it's, aren't we? And... You know, that's that's the name of the game. We all want to either own or breed a winner at Cheltenham. And yeah, it's not the Cheltenham Festival, but it was still a big race at Cheltenham. And we were just thrilled and even more so because we still got the dam. Uh, and you... you- You've put so much into international hunt breeding over the years, Liz. Just for those who aren't familiar, just tell us why you why you started and and why you really began to to sort of put so much into it. Well, we've always been, or well, I've always been mad about national hunt. Not particularly taken with the flat. Just thought we'd have a couple of brood mares for a bit of fun, really. And as usual, everything escalates and you get more and more and you accumulate them and and that's where we are today and then you start breeding a, a few winners and it just it just keeps going it's just a ball rolling isn't it um luckily we can you know support it to a certain degree um there's a lot of lows in the job and those make it make it all worthwhile uh, and the plenty of people who go into this with their eyes closed. Your eyes are very firmly open because of your own your own day job, effectively, Liz. Just just tell people a little bit about your background. Well, I uh, was a practice manager at um, a big northern veterinary practice. Um, my partner owned it. Um, we've actually sold it um, last year, um, so we are effectively retired. Um, not that there's much retirement with horses, but um, yeah, that's helped fund it and got it off onto its own feet now. Um, but it very much has to stand on its own feet, really. And so, yeah, it's been good. And I've had the support of my partner, who's obviously at the beginning had to throw a fair bit of money at us. Um, but it, it's, it's hopefully going to pay off. 
and you, you, you're still acquiring mares, aren't you? How important is that to keep to keep restocking and, and keep refreshing bloodlines? It's very important. You've got to you've got to always look to improve your stock. Um, the mares are getting very expensive. Um, sometimes we buy a very nice filly. We bought a filly last year um, off Overbury Stud. Um, that's the family of Jetski. That was a filly foal. Um, and then we've also bought one at Goths in Ireland, um, as a Glans Melody, a Philly Fall. Sometimes it can be a little bit better value that way, we feel. But obviously you've got the keep and the gamble. But some of these mayors now are making a lot, a lot of money. Um, and sometimes they're a bit overpriced, I think. So occasionally if the real gem comes up, we buy them as Philly Falls. And Liz, what do you make of some of the fresh investment that's come into National Hunt breeding over the last couple of years? Perhaps taken a few people by surprise, Simon Davis and what he's doing with Dalbury and, and Jane McGibbon, who we've spoken to quite a bit on the on the podcast, buying Golden Horn and, and the Dam of Constitution Hill and so on. I think it's very good. They are, yeah, I think it's excellent. We need that. We've got to compete with the Irish to a certain degree. Well, to a lot of degree because they're whitewashers at Cheltenham most years. Um, I think it's very good. They're very enthusiastic. Um, we've now got a good group of stallions. Okay, some of them are new, but I, I still think we've got a good base of good stallions. I think we're probably in the best place we've been probably for a good few years with stallions. You know, we've got Planter and Golden Horn and Jack Hobbs and, and Logician. So we've got some real good, well-bred, performing animals to stand in Britain. And we're very lucky to have that. Not prepared to put effectively the money where the mouth is and back it. Not to mention Nathaniel, to whom Midnight Rivers Dam is in foal or has had a foal by. Uh, Midnight River is uh, Midnight Rivers Dam, well connected, is in foal to Nathaniel, and she's due to go to the edition this year. And I've got a getaway three-year-old that's going to go to Goffs. Uh, I have a very nice postponed colt that looks a lot like Midnight River going to the January golf sale. Um, yeah, it's it's looking bright and rosy for that mare. She also had gentle connections uh, who won four for David Futter. Do you know what? I don't begrudge it. He's a good friend and he's had a lot of fun with her and it's helped the pedigree. And of course, being in Dan Scaldi is always a positive, isn't it? Liz, thanks so much. Well done. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Bye. Well, it is Tuesday, which means, of course, we go around the bloodstock world with our good friends at Weatherby's, their stallion book and their global stallion app. Now, you might remember that I've spoken to today's guest before. It was a little while ago, a couple of years ago. Mathieu Alex at the time was at Montfort and Préau uh, looking after Recorder, Golden Horde and the late La Havre. But he's now taken the reins at a brand new stud venture, which you might have read a little bit about, particularly on social media. It's called Ah de Beaumont. It's run by Kamel and Pauline Shaboub, and they race under the uh, racing name of Arad Lagusari. Uh, their most prominent racehorse so far would be Sealyway, the winner of the Champion Stakes a couple of years ago, and he is one of the new stallions there. Um, but to tell me more, um, let's let's talk to Mathieu. Mathieu, this is a, a really exciting venture. Just starting something like this pretty well from scratch. Indeed, <laughs> I mean. It's great because it's um, the, the land that the Shebub family has bought um, is part of Aradukene. Uh, obviously, an extremely prestigious farm, very successful farm. 
So we have land, we have paddocks, and we have boxes. We're just restructuring the whole lot. But um, it's exciting because it's it's um, it, it's um, it's a human uh, adventure as well. We get on very well with Camel and Pauline. We know each other quite, for quite a while now. Um, and yes, it's around stallions. Obviously, we will also have mares and boarding for people. But to start with, CD with a dual group one winner is great. You know. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to him in a minute. How how reassuring is it for you that you are starting on land that has already been established for for raising young stock? How how much confidence does that give you? Yeah, confidence. I don't know. Um, pressure for sure a lot because they've been extremely successful, and to do as well as they did is going to be very difficult. But we will try hard for sure. But at least you know that the land is good. It was very very well looked after. Um, and the location, Nick, is great, you know, especially when you're standing stallions because you're very close to Arcana, the Deauville Cells, the Deauville racetracks. So that brings a lot of people, a lot of action around. Um, so it's nice. People can come to the farm, can see the stallions, can see their stock. Location is, is, is crucial. Uh, and so just tell me exactly how far away it is from, from Arcana. Ten minutes away. Oh, perfect. So you're right on the doorstep. So no excuses. <laughs> When you when you are looking at stallions that that are coming to market, uh, have you got a pretty good instinct as to which ones will will fly? It's very difficult to 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 know in advance, of course, because you know a lot of people are trying and only a few makes it. But um, obviously, credentials are quite the obvious ones: racing career, looks, and pedigree. Um, after that, I think that. The, What's very important is, of course, the quality of mares they're going to cover, but also the trainers that will train the progeny. That's, uh, and, and we'd like to control as much as we can uh, all of that, um, which I think is very, very, very crucial, very important. Uh, and uh, you mentioned that controlling where progeny race. Sealyway himself was bred by Guy Payant and, and was by one of his sires, Galloway. That's pretty much exactly what he's done. He's he's taken sires and made them by controlling where their stock race. Very much so. He's been very very successful. Um, but that's what I'm saying is that you know you have to as much as you can. It's not always easy, but control the progeny of the of the stallions. Go to good trainers, trainers that you have good feeling with, that you can get an an inside feeling from. Um, maybe target you know crucial races. Um, yeah, strategy is very important. And, and the Shaboob family clearly are, are massively committed to this. Yes, they're very very passionate. Number one, uh, and they want to do things properly. And they've, they've been very lucky to to have such a high caliber horse in Siliway, and and they want to do things right, and which is. It's quite amazing. I think it's it's great for France because we, we we need new new players in in the in the in the breeding area. We need we need we need stallions for sure. So to get teams like that, are very passionate, ambitious, um, it's a very good news for sure. So you've got Sealyway. He he won the Jean Louis Lagardère as a two year old. He won the Champion Stakes. We saw that he was second in the French Derby. You you've put him in at twelve thousand euros, which seems a a realistic price point to kick off with. How did you come up with that? And I think that the, 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 the nomination fee is probably the most important decision you're going to take every year. Yeah. Because you don't want to be either too low or too high. We were trying to 
what what we've we've, we've trying to do with this fee is that everyone that could read the fee would say okay it's fair either you like the horse or you don't that's a different different matter but we want it to be it's a new operation it's a new horse people you know we didn't want the people to say okay is this far too expensive or um we want to make it commercial um which is which is happening which is successful uh as you well know the, the the first couple of years are very very important so we need to have the numbers we need to have the good mares um we need to make connections with the breeders and hopefully when we can do that and intello the other horse that you've got on the roster now he's he's had a more peripatetic career so far we know that he's he's been around a little bit and he's had varying levels of success what do you think you can you can bring to him or him to you it's great to have a, a, a proven stallion in, in a new farm, you know, so we've got Philly Wills obviously starting, we've got Intello, proven stallion. It's very, very popular in France because with Intello, not only you get a, you get a, you get a winner, but, you know, he's got 11% stakes horses to runners. So, I mean, one out of 10 horse is a black type horse, which is extremely rare. He's standing at a very reasonable fee. Um, Two foals made ninety and hundred thousand at the Dovin sales. He's quite popular at the sales also. You know, he's popular. He's, he's a proven stallion, and it's great to have him here. And there is one dark horse, isn't there? Tell me a little bit about that one. Stunning Spirit um, is a horse that Camel bought at Yaxel from George Strawbridge. Um, he's a group winner. He's a miler. He's by Invincible Spirit. He's a very good-looking horse. His dam is a full sister to a group one winner. He's very well bred. And Camel mainly bred his own mares to him, about 15 mares. Very, very happy with the stock. So his first first progeny is yearlings this year. Um, we'll throw the dice and see what happens. But very, very happy with the progeny. All right, thanks to Mathieu and to Liz Lucas before that. Cornelius is still with me and has a tip for you. But before that, Cornelius, just following up on the story of Into Overdrive, we spoke to owner breeder oh, yeah. Wendy Hamilton on the show last week. A revised BHA mark today, would that get him into the Grand National? 147? Yeah, definitely would. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And every year there's a horse, isn't there, on the jumping circuit that doesn't get. If into overdrive is trained by Nichols or trained by Henderson or, or trained by one of the other high-profile names, Dan Skelton, John Joe Neal, someone like that, we people would be talking about it a lot. Um, but uh, trained by Mark Wolford at Sheriff Hutton in that uh, that real sort of area of of racing excellence in in Yorkshire. Uh, and uh, Mark, uh, I think when that horse won first time in this run of he's won five of his last six and, and only been beaten by Long Presse on the other occasion. Um, he's won five of his last six. That run started off a mark of 112 and now 147. So a real success story and a great story as well that um, that the owner breeders have their son riding it, trained by a stable that isn't as high profile as it probably should be, in fact, uh, and into overdrive, heading perhaps towards Aintree in the Grand National. What a, maybe via the ultimate, maybe via the old Great Yorkshire Chase, the Skybet Chase uh, at Doncaster as well. What, what a really good national hunt story that is to hopefully uh, uh, add to the happy new year that we're anticipating. Just before I give the tip, can I just tell you, I feel very old when I read today that Hayley Turner is 40. Good gracious. Happy birthday, Hayley. And Tim Richards, our, our former colleague, is 80 today. Very happy birthday to him as well. The tip. Um, Chelmsford, I thought Kevin Stott has a particularly good record riding at Chelmsford in the 130 race. He rides something uh, trained by George Bowie. 
George looking for his first winner of this year, but a tremendous 136 winners last year. And uh, Even Star is their runner. She ran uh, third in a uh, seven furlong race for Phillies, showing plenty of promise just before Christmas. So Even Star for George Bowie and Kevin Stott in the 130 at Chelmsford is the tip. And happy birthday again, Hayley. Cornelius, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back to it again tomorrow. That was Tuesday, January the 3rd. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.